0: Welcome to the Boys of Summer, episode number 72. I'm Gene Gums, joined by my friends Paul Arnold and Eric Braun as we get ready to talk about our favorite sport, baseball. And uh, this is the, the dog days of summer, I guess you would call it, guys. We get into August and things have, uh, the standings have changed. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks. And uh, it seems like the Yankees may never lose again. Uh, it seems like San Francisco Giants may never lose again. But one team that is losing and they're losing a lot it's the Baltimore Orioles. 19 straight defeats. Now, the reason I bring that up is there's been a lot of talk lately, people theorizing that the Orioles are tanking on purpose. Now, question number one, A, do you believe that? And B, if they are, is there really any advantage to that in baseball, I mean, you know, in, in basketball where, you know, you, you draft a guy and he plays right away. In football, you draft a guy, uh, you know, you get the number one draft pick and he's a quarterback. He often plays right away. In baseball, what's the advantage to tanking if they really are?
1: That's what I, I don't get about the idea that a team would tank. It, it makes no sense, right? Because you just, even your, the best draft picks, it's a you know it, it's such a gamble i mean there's you you just never know in baseball if a um, if a guy can make a jump from high school or college to the big leagues it's a, it's it's such a different game you know it's you're going from you know a lower velocity and aluminum bats to uh to playing in the big leagues with wooden bats and you know uh a dozen or more different challenges it's just it's such a different game it makes no sense to me that anyone would tank their whole season because especially in a place like baltimore where if you had a halfway decent team they have a great stadium um fans who would care you know they'd like to care yeah 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 (laughs) i mean and the thing is is it hasn't been that long it feels like it's been forever since they were good but really it was 2016 you know about you know, they were in the playoffs. The Royals played them in the playoffs in, uh 20, was that 24, 2014? Um, so, you know, th- I mean, they've been a playoff team fairly recently. Uh, so it just doesn't make any sense to me that a team would, would, would tank this far, right? Cause you're just, uh, you're going to lose more money by driving your fans away than you're ever, uh, <laughs> than the upside of getting, you know, like a couple of good draft picks. I mean,
0: Um, you know, I guess I could buy the tanking thing if at the trade deadline they had traded. Look, they still have a core of some pretty good players there. John Means, who's the ace of their staff, is pretty good. Uh, Cedric Mullins is pretty good. You know, Anthony Santander is a pretty good player. They've got some pieces there. I could buy, I think, the tanking argument a little bit more if we saw at the trade deadline that all those guys were gone, too. You know, but they didn't really make a a lot of moves at the trade deadline and people called about specific players and they didn't bite. So that's that's another reason why I have a hard time buying that one.
1: Yeah. And then you've got the whole Chris Davis situation on top of that, too. Right. So he's he's I think I don't think that helps their case that they aren't tanking when they spend so much money to to let him uh, get, you know, like a Bobby Bonilla uh, type treatment as he's as he's heading off into the sunset but but you know yeah it, it doesn't make sense that uh, you know when i say it doesn't make sense that doesn't mean that they're not tanking it just means that i don't understand it um but yeah i mean they're down what they're uh next to last place in payroll uh, compared to the indians which is weird but um it's yeah i don't know it it feels like tanking. They're playing so terribly, and it doesn't help your case when you've got a 19-game losing streak and the team's demoralized. Right. But uh, man, uh, it just it it just doesn't make any logical sense to me.
0: What do you got, Paul?
2: What do I you got? List? Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just thinking hard because I've experienced the tank <laughs> phenomenon here. And I'm not talking a Sherman tank here. I'm talking about the Tigers tanking the last several years.
0: But do you you think they were intentionally tanking? Yes,
2: yes. They practically said it. They said, we don't have the money to spend. They might use the word rebuilding for the future is another way of saying (laughs) we're tanking. Because they basically said, hey, we're going to build up our minor league system. We're going to uh, develop our players and then look for free agents when we see they'll help which is all code for, let's do the Theo Epstein uh, method. Let's wait a couple years, be bad, and then see who's good on our minor league. And I think it's similar, and this, hang with me on this comparison. This weekend, my wife went in. We went and bought a Diet Coke at a convenience store, and she walked out with a lottery ticket. And she goes, oh, no, that's not the one I wanted. Scratch off. I got the poker one instead. And I said, well, do you know how to play poker? She says, no, but they give me 20 chances you know instead of having one chance or two chance she has 20 chances of scratch off to win and and in a way this if you hang with me when you invest your money in the minor leagues you're spreading your risk over a bunch of players instead of saying i'm going to spend my money on 9 to 12 players on my major league roster who's got to carry me and so they're spreading the risk over the minor league system and then you see the tigers bring along the right manager get the right chemistry now and I think they basically said now they're ready to spend next year and build on this younger talent they have. Um, so I do think the Orioles are tanking. It makes me sad. I lived there for three years, went to a bunch of games. It's such a baseball town. It's such an incredible baseball town. They'll support them no matter what.
0: Well, and again, but, you know, that, and to, to Eric's point, you know, you, you, if they're tanking, you know, what are you going to get out of it? You'll get it. Okay. You get the number one draft pick, but that number one draft pick could be four or five years away from being anything. If they ever become anything, right. You know, so I, I don't, if that, if that's what they're doing, it doesn't make sense to me. And, and I can understand why people think they are. When you look at the, at the run differential, they have been outscored by 239 runs this year. 239. Nobody is close to that. The closest would be Pittsburgh. And that's and Pittsburgh's only been outscored by 186. I mean, they, they have just been drilled. I mean, and d- it, during this 19 game losing streak, they're not just losing.
2: Do you think Angelos getting, is getting ready to sell the team?
0: No, I don't. Uh, there's been no indication that that's the case. You know, unless he's planning on, uh, you know, losing his mind and going on a spending spree. But but the problem with that is in the free agent market, and we'll get into the free agents in a little bit. When you're a team that's won 38 games this year and at the rate they're going, they're going to be lucky to win 50. Good luck attracting any free agent to come there. I don't care. I mean, I I guess I guess money does talk. So maybe if you, you throw enough at them, they'd come. But who's going to want to come as a free agent to a team that won 50 games the year before? Would you?
2: No, but back when the Tigers went through the tanking way back before um, they got some good general managers, it was Padre Rodriguez who was the first free agent that was willing to take a chance on Detroit. And then you had Victor Martinez and you had Cabrera and then, and then some of the players came in to Sheffield and, So all the free agents came when there was money and they had two or three good players. So if the Orioles had one or two players that could talk them up, I think they have a chance. Well,
0: I don't know if I'm buying that, but we'll see. But the reason my segue from the tanking thing to next season is this. There has been talk that the collective bargaining agreement is over at the end of this year. It ends December 1st. So there is a decent chance that we're going to have some kind of a work shutdown if the players and the union uh, players union and the owners can't get together. The latest uh, proposal that has been floated out by major league baseball is this, there is going to not only be a luxury tax threshold where if you go above it, you will have to pay a tax on that. There's going to be a floor where you have to spend a minimum amount of money. You won't see teams that have, you know, payrolls under $100 million. They will be required to have at least a $100 million payroll. The idea is to, to try to get the the balance between the teams um, uh, a little more even. And the luxury tax threshold, which right now is $210 million, will be lowered to 180 eighty million dollars. Now if they're going to do that, it tells me two things. I, I mean I get the idea they want to even it out, but it's telling me that salaries are going to go down, not up. Right? Because if they're lowering the luxury tax threshold where you've got to pay a tax on everything over one hundred and eighty instead of over two hundred and ten, well mm-hmm. you know teams are going to try to stay under that one eighty. Sure, there's a few teams that are going to have to come up, but I don't I think there's far more that will have to come down than have to go up, don't you?
1: Yeah, I think um, you're, it, gosh, it kind of depends, right? You know, I'm looking, there's quite a few teams under a hundred million. I mean, uh, there's, gosh, yeah, there's 10 teams under a uh, under hundred million now. Um, you know, uh, Milwaukee and Texas wouldn't have to go up by much. But yeah, Texas. Te- Texas Tampa. Is a lot of
0: Isn't Tampa under a hundred?
1: Oh yeah, there's 70.
0: Yeah. And, and they have 78 wins, the second most in major league baseball. That's, you know, and that's where that whole thing kind of gets shot in the foot, right?
1: It does. It does. Yeah. And the thing is, is it, it makes sense if they're going to, you know, just redistribute the, the wealth, as they say, to help the smaller teams. The problem is, so, you know, when I, when I hear things like, like um, a minimum salary, it makes me happy because, you know the Royals not not now, I don't know how wealthy our our current owner is, but you know, we were owned by David Glass for a very long time, and David Glass, you know, was uh, a Walmart billionaire who wouldn't spend you know enough to have us be competitive. I mean, a lot of times these salaries, You know, we talk about small markets versus big markets, but a lot of times it's how rich your owner is. It just so happens that Los Angeles and New York always have very rich owners, but, you know, um, you know, St. Louis, you know, that's not uh, a huge metropolis and they always have a big salary and lots of, uh, you know, and lots of big contracts on their, on their payroll. And then there's, there's lots of that. So, you know, I think a guy like David Glass could have used a real, uh, shot in the rear to, uh. Uh, to spend a little (laughs) more money
2: i think that um i love the top part of that where they lower it from 210 to 180 i don't like the minimum the 100 million because there's so many different teams with different financial uh, situations and to force them to pay 100 million i don't think is a good option and then all said and done will this really stop the dodgers from spending more it's like if you're you got billions and billions of dollars to draw from. Does that really matter? Like this year, the Dodgers keep on spending and spending. They almost need to have a top on this. I know the players would never go along with that, but you no. know, a luxury tax and then a, a, a cap, real hard cap. I mean, the, they started the cap in 1996. I mean, before 1996, it was sort of a gentleman's agreement on how much they were paying, and then right. the union broke that up. So um, that's the way I feel.
1: Yeah, well, what, what some people call a gentleman's agreement, other people call collusion. Yeah,
0: they got in a little trouble for that. But yeah, but, but, but yeah, you'll never see the players union go for a hard cap, though. No you know, way. But, why but why are, would they? But the NFL does it. The NBA yeah. does it. You know, the problem is, is the players union in Major League Baseball has become so powerful. Uh, th- we would lose an entire season, I think. If if they wanted to draw a line in the sand, MLB, and said we're going to have a hard cap, we'd lose an entire season, guaranteed. Um, so I I don't know, you know. And here's the other piece of that. And Paul, I know you said you you know um, the idea of, of 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 the minimum and everybody having different financial circumstances, but if Frank and and I don't mean to sound harsh, but I'm going to be harsh. If you can't afford the price of admission, get the hell out. If you own the Pittsburgh Pirates and you can't afford to spend money to be competitive, get out. Just like the owners of the Kansas City Royals needed to get out. Or get a partner. Or, or something. You know. But if you can't be competitive, and I know the the problem with this is, is that Tampa flies in the face of all this. They blow it all up. And they were like, yeah, well, screw you. We can do whatever we want. We got 78 wins and so we're spending $78 million. You know, so that's a problem. But, you know, the other part of this is, let's say they say it's, okay, you got to spend 100 million bucks. So Tampa likes what they like, the way they do things, right? Well, if they said, if somebody said to them, okay, you have to spend 100 million bucks, you know what they could do? They could give an above market deal to one player. They could give a Chris Davis deal to somebody just to get them to 100 million. It doesn't mean that they're going to spread that money out over. Their entire roster to get it up to 100 million. They could just spend money on one player, just to get to 100 million, and then still do what they're doing with everybody else, right? So it doesn't necessarily solve the problem.
2: Don't they, could, think, artif- they yeah. could artificially? Rip. Don't you think the owners are floating this now, so there's plenty of discussion before the bargaining begins? Oh, no question.
0: Yep, no question.
2: You know, and 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 I think that they they kind of put their
0: toe in the water, and what they're hoping, I think, is is by bringing this up. The players union won't completely lose their minds and they'll say, well, okay, let's let's see if we can work with this. And and they're hoping for some negotiation here. I'm not sure that you are going to get the players union to agree to lower the luxury tax threshold. I don't see any way in hell that happens.
2: Seems really unlikely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could be wrong. Hey, Gene, I live near Hell, Michigan, and it does freeze over, so <laughs> anything's possible. That's true.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: let's, let's segue from that if, if they're going to lower the luxury tax threshold. Let's take a look at some of the free agents for next year. And some of these guys are going to command huge amounts of money. Let's start with the guy who is probably going to be the most coveted player. And by the way, I don't think he should be, but I think he's going to be the most coveted player. And that's Carlos Correa. He's going to be a free agent this year. Now, this is a guy, what is he, 26, 27? One of the best shortstops in the game. He's going to be looking for a deal like Fernando Tatis got. He's going to be looking for a deal like Francisco Lindor got, which is going to be North of $300 million. So you tell me if you're lowering, which which, by the way, so that's $300 million over, you know, eight, 10 years. So it's thirty million plus a year. You're going to lower the luxury tax threshold by $30 million. Carlos Correa is not going to get signed by anybody. Right. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, and so you, I mean, that's just, that's just the first guy, you know, you have guys, Trevor story,
1: Trevor story. Yeah. He's a big one.
0: Uh Corey Seeger from the Dodgers is gonna be a free agent. Freddie Freeman, the re- the the reigning a- NL MVP, is going to be a free agent at the end of this year. You know, so you tell me how these guys are gonna get contracts that are in line with what guys have been getting the last several years if they lower that threshold. I just don't see how it happens. Do you?
1: I don't. Um
0: but but you know, but here's the thing. Yeah, you know, and my wife you know barb laughs all the time when she hears what these guys are making she's like that's just obscene and we i think we can all agree that the kind of money that these guys make is way out of whack right you would with with reality but it's what the market will bear the same reason why tom cruise can can command 20 million dollars to make a movie you know these guys can command this you know to, to do what they do so yeah, it's obscene, but it's what the market will bear. And so how could you all of a sudden in the middle of somebody's career say, oh, by the way, uh, we are no longer Walmart. We became uh, mom and pop. You know, how do you do that?
1: Yeah, I, it, it seems extremely unlikely. Um, you know, the, so I was I was looking at, I, it's not only a lot of these, uh, you know, younger guys who are going to come out and command giant salaries. I mean, you've also got, I mean, some of the pitching out there that's going to be free agents. I mean, you've got Grinke and Kershaw and Scherzer and Verlander. I mean, Ooh. those older, those guys are all.
0: Kershaw's a free agent?
1: Yeah, that's what it says here, yeah. Whoa. So, I mean, you've got some big, big salaries that are about to hit the market um, in pitching. And, you know, I mean, if you're, if you have to come up with a hundred, you know, if you're assuming there is no, you know, uh, you know, league minimum or league maximum. And it's the same as this year, which obviously it won't be, but um, I mean, like a Scherzer uh, or Kershaw. I mean, those guys are going to be around $30 million a year. And I that's, that's half of some of these teams payroll. It's just, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's crazy. So yeah, so it gets out of whack and there's no way for, uh, you know, small market teams to, to be in the market for, for really good pitching, especially, But, um, you know, uh, yeah, that's it's it's just the the system is completely out of whack.
0: I I will say this, and I I do I do agree with this. I, I do think there should be a ceiling. I do think there should be a hard cap somewhere. You know, I don't know what that number looks like, but I I do not believe that it is good for the game of baseball. That the Los Angeles Dodgers have been able to do what they have done in terms of payroll this year, with all the moves that they have made during the season, they've blown north of two hundred and almost two hundred and sixty million, haven't they?
1: I think. I mean, they're they 100. are at two sixty seven.
0: Yeah, I mean that's obscene. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know what that number looks like. Maybe it should be two fifty. Maybe it should be two forty. But at some point. There's got to be the grownups in the room somewhere have to, to, st- to set some limits for the kids, don't they?
1: Well, they should. Um, but, you know, uh, these, you know, these guys are, that own the teams are also really, really wealthy <laughs> and giant egos. And you've got giant egos on the other side of the table. And uh, I think it becomes really hard to to rationalize with any any of these people who all have a skewed perspective on on what their worth is.
2: All right, so it's you know, turn to jump in on this. Um, <laughs> I would love to see. Just let me talk as a fan for a little bit. And free agents. I mean, every year you hope your team gets better, but once in a while I get sort of sentimental and like to see players play at a certain team, right? There's certain players mm-hmm. you associate, like Freddie Freeman. I think it'd be a crying shame if he let, left Atlanta, and I think he's gonna stay there. He's such a class guy, uh, loves playing there, and you need somebody really steady Eddie in the infield. And I think that's why Bleacher Report has the top four, or five, top five guys in the free agents all being infielders because they play every day, they do so much for your team. Um, I've told you before, I think Trevor Story is overrated because he's playing in Colorado. I think Corey Seager is the real deal, and I think it would be so sweet if the Tigers picked him up. I mean, I'll just be a homer here for a little bit. And LA, they can afford another shortstop. Um, well, they have one. They have Trey Turner. There you go. So hey, they're not going to miss him. Just send him my way. <laughs> but um, I mean, it makes me think back. You know, was there any player that, when you were growing up, they played for your team, or when you're older, and then they left as a free agent, and you like, cursed them? Why did they leave our team? They were so good. A team. I remember Johnny Damon left the Red Sox for mm-hmm. the Evil Empire, and that wasn't taken very easily. Well, the, the oh, John, Wade Boggs did the same thing. I would just like to point out,
1: first of all, that Johnny Damon left the Royals. Royals <laughs> first. That's right. <laughs> he, yeah, he came oh, up through the Royals. Yes. That's a good point. And then went to and then went to the A's, and then the Red Sox, and then the Yankees.
0: Yeah, I you know. Not that I'm bitter. No, but, never. I'll, I'll take but the biggest uh, the cr- biggest crushing blow for me I think that I can remember and I was in college when it happened was when Carlton Fisk left the Red Sox and went to the White Sox.
1: Mm.
0: I was despondent. I mean I just, I mean I just was like it, it to me it was close to if what it was pretty close to a, as if Carl Yastrzemski had been had left the Red Sox, you know what I mean? It was just he was such a big part of that team. Um, you know when I was in high school and to see him go you know, he and Freddie Lynn, I think, were the two that I took the hardest uh, when I was when I was a young man back in the old days. Um, yeah, yeah. What, about, what, what about you? Anybody with the Royals that that really,
1: well, you, those, know, you know, most of those Royals stayed around. Yeah. So Ewing Kaufman, the owner back back then, was famous for signing players to. uh lifetime contracts. Um he was one of the first people to really do that. And so you had a lot of guys who stayed for for a really, really long time. Um, you know, I think was it Splitorf that ended up going to the Cardinals or or maybe it's Quisenberry. Um I can't remember. Yeah. Uh there were there were a few players that left, but they were all sort of at the end of their career. The of Brewery, yeah. Yeah. And so it was just kind of like a I remember yeah, John was, Mayberry.
0: John Mayberry went somewhere towards the end of his career. I remember him? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, I c can't remember where he went. I think he I think he ended up on the Yankees.
1: Oh really? No. Yeah, I think so too. I'm surprised that didn't I'm surprised that didn't burn into my memory. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, the Kirk Gibson leaving was really brutal ooh. for us in the yeah, land.
0: That. Uh uh Paul Splitorf never left Kansas City.
1: Yeah, I I knew it wasn't Splitorf, it was Quisenberry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Quisenberry pitched in, in in St. Louis.
1: I believe that's right. Let me see.
0: I do not remember that.
1: Yeah, 1989. Oh
0: like wow. Moses. And the Giants in
1: '90. So Cardinals '89, Giants '90. So that's yeah, kind of the end of his career.
0: I never remember him anywhere but in Kansas City. But yeah, no, yeah. I think Fisk and Lynn are the two that I think that, that stand out for me. And I, I, you know, and I can imagine Kirk Gibson was a, was a tough one uh, for you guys in Detroit as well. Um, all right, so let me ask you: Of the guys that are free agents, who do you think? I mean, you've you've already said, Paul, you think Freeman stays in Atlanta? Yeah. You now you're in Houston, Eric. You just went. Matter of fact, you went. You went to a Stroh's game last night, night before we taped this. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the odds are that he stays in Houston?
1: Um, I'm sorry, which which player? Correa. Correa. Um, so. They've got they've got a lot of free agents and sorry I, I, I somehow missed that. Um, uh, I think Correa is gone. Um, you do? Yeah, I think I think he's gonna go. I I, I I have no idea where. I think I think he's gonna go. Um, wow. I think there might be a little bit of rebuilding. Not obviously not like a full rebuild, but yeah, I think I I just think somebody's gonna write Correa a big check and Jim Crane's gonna say, you know what, we've got we've got some talent. I think we're going to be okay because they've got a deep bench already and they've got, they've, they've got talent. Uh, and yeah, I, that's, that's my gut on that one. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Uh,
0: um, now uh, uh, to, to your point, um, Mr. Arnold about Trevor story. I mean, there is no question. There is a big difference between home and away with Trevor story. He hits if for his career. Uh, he has hit three Oh three in Coors. Away from Coors, he's only hit 243. Now, you know, that's uh, that's 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 huge. So if you're Trevor Story, Mm -hmm. do you want to stay in Colorado? Oh,
2: yes. And plus, we we all know when somebody goes from NL to AL, it's not always as great as they think it is or vice versa. Um, look at um, Pujols going back to NL from the AL, and he's doing better now than he did with the Angels. Um, just the strike zone used to be different. I don't know if it still is, Gene. If you think it is, I just think that if you're in a good spot and you can get home runs, and they want to keep you, you take a little less to stay there. And that's what I, I think. Story should stay where he's at.
0: You know, the only question is, is, you know, the Rockies haven't shown the willingness to spend a lot of money lately, but they've been shipping guys off. Um, so you wonder, but I, I think if I'm Trevor Story, if I look at those numbers, 303 at home, 243 on the road, and, and his on-base percentage goes from 368 at home to 311 on the road. Uh, I mean, to me, you know, now and, and he's one of those guys, by the way, even if he does stay in course for the rest of his career, and let's say he continues doing what he's done, You wonder, like Larry Walker and guys like that, if playing where he's played will hurt his chances to get into the Hall of Fame simply because of the Coors Field Factor.
2: Yeah, I think for him, why not stay and have a chance at the Hall of Fame instead of going somewhere else? And, you know, occasionally we see those you know, free agents just flame out. It just doesn't work out. It's a different situation. Uh, I have to admit, I was more of a Trevor Story fan after the home running hidden contest. He showed up, he hit home runs, he was a class act, and I thought, you know, regardless of his numbers, he's a quality guy, and I think uh, a team would enjoy him in the te- clubhouse. That's the other thing we don't talk about much. Maybe it's not worth a lot of money, maybe they ignore it, but shouldn't they do some background check and say, is this guy going to be a, a good influence in our clubhouse? Is he going to be a guy that's going to lift us up or a guy that's all about him?
0: Well, you know, the, the one thing that's interesting about Story, too, is that he wanted to be traded at the trade deadline. He actually came out and said it. And when he didn't get traded, he he, he expressed absolute con- – he was confused why the Rockies didn't try to trade him. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't hurt the way he's played. <laughs> But this is a guy that said, you know, trade me. I mean, uh, obviously, things are going south here. You know, it doesn't. I think he's. I I think, you know, you said he should stay there. I think he should, too. But I get the feeling that there is a lot of disgruntled people or disgruntled players with ownership that they don't seem committed to winning. It'd be kind of, you know, kind of like, you know, being a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, and, and I think. I think that that
2: maybe story that alone might show him, you know make him want to leave. So what what organization is the worst to play for? Do you think?
1: Hmm. Hmm. Um, I think. Well, I mean, it's hard. Well, to Baltimore, to say Baltimore, right? Baltimore, yeah.
0: Baltimore right now. But I've always thought Pittsburgh. I mean, this, when, when was the last time Pittsburgh was competitive? Jim Leland.
1: Oh, uh, well, yeah, well they had a, a year Back when, or two, McCutche- when mccutcheon when was McCutcheon there was yeah there. yeah yeah um
0: they're a long way away from the we are family days
1: oh a long way um you know one of the things with pittsburgh is that they are the biggest beneficiary of the orioles losing streak
2: <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: because nobody's looking at them. nobody's paying attention So they're, the they're, bar- they're barely yeah they're yep. barely over salary of what um uh, of what Baltimore is like, like a, a one and a half million, right? Right. So it's, uh, yeah, they're they're very fortunate. They they've been
2: pretty dysfunctional
0: for well, a while. Well, yeah, and they traded one of their best players. They traded their all star Adam Frazier
2: to the to the Padres. They put the fun in dysfunctional. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, that's an exactly. old one. Um, exactly.
1: Um, you know, I think if if I was going to pick a team that I didn't want to play for. I would have to say Oakland. Just you know, they it, it, obviously it's a very good team. Dumpster fire ballpark. Just the the ballpark is terrible. You don't know where the team's gonna be. You know where I mean, it could move at any time. It could be going to Las Vegas, um, which would, I think would be terrible to play in Las Vegas. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just it just seems uh, I they they've just been oh. A, a, Weird, crazy organization for a long time. Yeah, you know, obviously, I'm from Kansas City. I have just a natural predisposition to uh, yeah. to throw shade towards Oakland. The West Coast. But, well, Oakland, especially, but yes, the West uh, Coast in general. But uh, yeah, I you know, and
0: it's funny. I I like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a great city. I don't know if you've ever spent any time there. I've but never been. They have done uh, a great job of revitalizing that city, the waterfront area. There's great restaurants there. Uh, I love Pittsburgh. I really do. Unfortunately, their baseball team is horrible, but I like the city. I always have, uh, you know, so it's kind of a shame that they're not winning. And that's another one of those cities, by the way, if they got good, like Baltimore, people will oh, yeah. come and people will lose their minds. It's a great sports city, you know, but they're not going to come out for a losing product, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, it's.
1: And- Yeah. It's like Kansas city. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's like, you you ever watch those like videos of, you know, when rain hits like the Sahara and it like blooms and flowers, that's what it's like living in Kansas city. You live in drought (laughs) and sand for years and years. And then, you know, one, uh, one or two seasons of, of winds rain down upon you and suddenly you remember you're a baseball town.
0: So who who in your mind? Who is the number one free agent? Who is the guy coming up this year that everybody is going to want to get their hands on? Is it is it? Uh, do you think it's Corey Seager?
2: That's my vote. But you know, Chris Bryan is a sneaky. Uh, yeah, he's a good one too. He's so good. He's third baseman. He has power. He can play uh, anywhere. Right. I think he's a sneaky fit for somebody. I don't know who that would be though.
0: I, I think I think the Giants would probably like to keep him there if they can. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, they've got, uh, they've got a lot of money to spend. They don't have a lot on the books for 2022. They only have $36 million on the books for next year. So San Francisco is going to have money to spend, you know, I mean, they they just, they just re-signed, uh, Brandon Crawford and I think Buster Posey's still under contract, but a lot of the, a lot of their other guys are all on expiring contracts. So their payroll for next year is pretty low. So it would not surprise me if they make a strong run at him. I like him a lot, you know, and I tell you what, and, and, you know, I, I'm, nothing personal. I know you're, and I know you're a Kansas city person, Eric, but you live in Houston. Yep. I, I don't want Carlos Correa on my team.
1: Well, that's part of my, it's almost more of a wish that, that <laughs> he, he leave. Go, yeah. yeah. Cause I just don't like him as a person. He's just, I don't he's either. A great guy. Yeah.
0: yeah. He seems like not a nice guy at all. He seems like a very selfish player. Uh, you know, I don't know the guy at all. I'm just—it's uh, just the perception that you get when you watch him and the stuff that you read in the media. He just does not seem like a good teammate. Uh, I could be wrong, but that's not a guy I want on my team. You know, and what's interesting, Paul, there's a lot of talk in Boston media about Trevor Story coming to the Red Sox, about the Red Sox making a run at Story and moving Xander Bogarts to third base. Ooh. And. And then taking Raphael Devers, their third baseman, and moving him to first base. Because Devers is a butcher at third base, and Xander Bogarts, as a as a, short, as a shortstop, is a great hitter. But he is an absolutely awful defensive shortstop. So there has been some talk that maybe the Red Sox would shift those other two guys and, and go make a run at a guy like Trevor Story. And you know what? Not playing in Coors, but playing in Fenway, I could kind of make up for it. He could have fun with that left field wall. Yes, definitely. So we'll, we'll see. Um, of the pitchers that are out there, who do you think is – look, Max Scherzer, I know he's, he's one of the guys that's going to be a free agent, but he's 37 years old. Justin Verlander's like 39, isn't he?
1: He is, yep, 39. I
0: mean, I mean, are those the two best pitchers on the market?
1: Um, well, you've got uh, Green Kevin Gaussman, and- I,
0: Gaussman's out there, too, the kid from uh, from San Francisco. Who's yeah, you a got,
1: yeah, you got Grinky and Kershaw. Who uh, thirty-eight, so he's about the same age. Kershaw's thirty-four, and not um, in great health, right? Yeah, he's been you know up and down. Um, so those are probably your best pitchers out there, and they're going to get big salaries, right? But there's not um, a,
0: so there's not a lot of pitching out there, is what you're telling me.
1: It doesn't look like it. Well, you but, know who else is uh, out there?
0: Uh, Marcus Stroman's going to be a free agent this year. He's having that's a nice true. year. With, yeah. He's having a pretty good year with the Mets. And I think Robbie Ray, uh, who pitches for Toronto, and I think Ray's got 12 wins this year. He's having a pretty good year. I think he's another guy that's a, that's going to be a free Would agent.
2: Would you guys take a chance on Cindergaard? No. It, yeah, it kind of depends on what the price is looking like. But yeah.
0: uh, is, is he a free agent? Yep. He is?
1: Yep. Ooh.
0: Well... Yeah, well, here's the thing. I mean, I guess he's going to start throwing, but he hasn't even pitched yet. He's, you know, that's the thing. He and you know, he and Chris Sale got their Tommy John surgeries at almost the same time, and hmm. Chris Sale's back on the mound and looking pretty damn good. And Noah Syndergaard hasn't pitched yet, uh, and has had a couple of setbacks. I did not know he was a free agent.
1: Yeah, you got Corey Kluber too. Um, yeah, he I didn't go yeah, He didn't count.
0: He's like Guys, 100 Yankees. Yeah, he's 100. Hey, he's, he's also 36. 112. He's also 112 years old.
1: Golly, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. He, you're right. Is Syndergaard,
0: Syndergaard is a free agent. Yeah, he's only making nine point seven mil this year. You know the yeah. thing with the thing with clue. You know what? Would I take a chance on him if I could get him for ten million bucks? Yeah, I probably would. I probably would. And it's going to be interesting, I guess, to see what kind of contract he's going to command, considering he hasn't pitched since 2019. That's, that's, you know, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. I don't think the Mets are going to, if he shows any signs that he's going to be okay, I don't think the Mets will let him go. Steve Cohen, their new owner, has more money than, than, than he knows what to do with. Um, so I'd be surprised if they let him walk. But if I had a chance to get him on, on the Red Sox for $10 bucks a year, you bet.
2: You bet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that seems like worth, worth a
2: gamble. Do you yeah. think Sale has returned to most of his previous form? Um,
0: he, the velocity's not completely back, but he's still, he's throwing 95, 96. And what's been the best part is, is to see is that his sliders back and that slider, the guys, I mean, he, that wipeout slider guys can't hit it. And so he's been pretty impressive with the exception of back to back home runs that he gave up in his first start back. He's been damn near unhittable. Um, so I wouldn't say he's back cause he's still, you know, if he gets you five, you're happy, but you know, you can see that it's baby steps, but he's close. He's close. close. And and I'll tell you what, if he keeps progressing like this and the Red Sox can somehow, please God, somehow hang on to an, a wild card spot, you know, and then they got to play the Yankees, how great would that be if it's Chris Sale and Garrett Cole in a wild card game? <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. So we'll see. All right, let's move on from there. What I want to talk about now, and we don't talk about women on this show an awful lot, but I want to talk about a young woman right now. And it's been a lot of fun to watch the little league world series, a uh, young lady by the name of L Bruning. I don't know if you've seen her at all. She plays catcher um, for a team from Texas. As a matter of fact, that's right. Yep. And uh, she's hitting the baseball, had a couple of hits the other night. She's throwing people out, trying to steal. She, uh, she moves behind the plate incredibly well, uh, defensively blocking balls in the dirt and, uh, it's, it's been so much fun to watch. And if you remember, uh, what was her? Uh, Monet Davis, who pitched, what, uh, I don't know, how long ago was that? It was probably, what, seven, eight years ago? 2014. 2014. So, yeah, seven years ago when she pitched a shutout. It's been, uh, you know, I, I think she's, they said she's like the 20th girl to ever play in a Little League yep. World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that she's a catcher, that is one tough little girl.
1: Well, she's from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> West Texas at that. So, you know, they're they're pretty tough
2: out there. Well, think of the girl who played last year in 2019. Look, listen to this tough name. Her name was Maddie Freaking. Maddie Freaking. I would say Maddie Freaking <laughs> Good, probably. But uh, <laughs> uh, but there, like you said, a little league.org has a list of 20 young ladies who've played. And I think we're ready to see a girl play really well, not just show up, but to play well. And Monet Davis was the closest thing to that. And you love it this age because they can, they can compete. They're right there. But the question is, can they keep on competing in the next five years against the guys when the, um, the speed of the ball goes faster? Uh, I do have no doubt a, a girl or woman could play outfield or play infield or play defense. It's just hitting the ball I'm concerned about with most girls when they get older.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, and as the, as the father of of two girls, I mean, I've always told my girls, you can do whatever you want to do. Right. But, um, you know, there are certain things I think that we have to be realistic about. I mean, uh, could a girl play Major League Baseball? I think I think defensively. Absolutely. Yep, yeah, I agree. Um, but I'll t- t- tell you what, Paul. I don't know how much fast-pitch softball you've watched. The fact that those girls can hit that ball is amazing to me. Oh, that
2: is true. The the girls, is you know? So, so fast. It's so quick, at them too. The I, distance is so short.
0: You know, the thing is, is that the, the difference, though, it isn't necessarily that they couldn't make contact. It's the amount of power that they would be able to generate because there's just a difference in muscle mass between a woman and a man. It's not so much when kids are 11 and 12 years old, right they're, they're still uh, you know they're still pretty close, but as they get bigger, I'm, I think the power, you know the strength would become an issue more than anything.
1: you know, I mean, look, Wade Boggs made a career out of hitting singles over the shortstops head, right and he yeah. just yeah, I mean you don't have to hit for power to be a good uh, major leaguer. I, th- I think it'll happen and and probably sooner than than we yeah. think in our lifetime. I think, yeah, I think yeah. so. Well, at least mine. Well, my, probably not my lifetime. I'm almost,
0: I'm almost dead. <laughs> wow. <so. laughs>
1: wow. Brutal. Uh, sorry, guys. Um, but, you know, I think, I think we're really starting to see a golden age of, of women in sports. Um, I mean, you guys know my, you know, uh, uh, you know I have a, a strong preference towards endurance sports. And um, if you've never heard of Courtney DeWalter, um, nope. uh, so, she, yeah, so you should look her up
0: she, she kick, you're telling me she could kick my ass uh, and twice on
1: Sundays. Um, so she won outright. <laughs> she won outright by five. I think it was five hours. The Moab 242 mile ultra marathon.
2: So like, she like
1: beat guys, she beat all the men she beat everyone
2: totally. and
1: won one by uh, a long, long ways. I, I, I do believe it was like 50 minutes or something like that, that she, she beat uh, some ridiculous amount of time. Um, for over 240 miles in the desert, um, she's just tough as nails and just the nicest, um, most positive person you'd ever see. But she's, uh, uh, but you know, I think, you, and you're starting to see that more and more. You know, um, women are are placing way higher, and especially in endurance events, because endurance events are as much about toughness as anything else, right? right. So, women, you know, tend to put us to shame (laughs) and that kind of thing. Um, So, you know, I I think uh, you're just going to see as more of these opportunities and more of these women who are just out there crushing it, you know, get more attention. um, You know, they're going to, they're going to end up in, uh, you know, in the clubhouse before too long.
2: So do you think it's more the social pressure? That's why girls haven't made it versus the physical capability to make it or
1: Eric? Well, I think it's it starts in the little leagues, right? Um, you know, the yeah, they're, they the girls play softball, or they're not allowed to play football, and all these other things. And now, uh, girls these days, you know, are they're in the little league world series. They're playing football. Um, you know, you you had this past year, oh, uh, a woman who you know uh, played. I guess she kicked, but she kicked, you know, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, she You're, played in college football. But well, so really- I think. Go ahead. And I just, I just think that, you know, there's, there's more opportunities and as, as opportunities in youth sports come along that that's when you'll see, you know, as these, um, you know, young women blossom and, you know, uh, get the opportunity to play a lot of from a lot of them, they just haven't had the opportunity. So we don't know.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that, that there will be some spots. I mean, I think it, there's no reason why, you know, like the, the young lady that kick was it at was it at Vanderbilt?
1: I think it was. Yes. I think it
0: was at Vanderbilt. Yes. And she can you know, I, I, there's no reason why a, a woman can't do that. I mean, I could see that. You know, she may not have as she's not may not be able to kick a 55-yard field goal, but she could certainly kick probably field goals within the 40-yard range and kick extra points. And and there's no reason why they can't do that. You're never going to. I now, I probably should say never, but I don't think you're ever going to see a woman lining up at outside linebacker, you know, for the New England Patriots. Um, you know, I don't think we're ever going to see that. I don't think you're ever going to see a woman play in the NBA. I really, I just don't, I, you know, and there are a lot of talented women's basketball players, but, and I, I've probably told this story before there was when the first women's professional basketball league got started, uh, there was a team in Connecticut. Their training camp was at uh, Western New England university in Springfield, Massachusetts, where I worked. I was uh, assistant athletic director there. And so their training camp was there, and they scrimmaged against our men's basketball team. This was a Division III non-scholarship men's basketball team. This Division III school beat this team of professional women by about 50 points. It wasn't close, and it was it was a, the, the, the guys that were you know five foot ten could jump higher than a girl that's six foot four. There's just a strength difference that it has nothing to do with macho. It has nothing to do with anything other than physiology, you know. So I think there are certain sports where they could pick their spots. I think there's certainly a chance, you know, to kick. There's certainly a chance in baseball. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I'm not sure it could happen, but uh, maybe you're right, Eric. Uh, but I think there are certain sports where you won't see that happen. You know, but and that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not sure it's like in this day and age. It's like we have to agree that everybody should be the same and everybody should have the same opportunity. I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case, but but I think there are spots where it could work. And
2: and and where those spots are, I don't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, Monet Davis was so exciting because she was a pitcher. And if a woman's going to make MLB, it's going to be as a pitcher. Come in as a reliever with really good stuff.
0: Throwing seventy five, but
2: it's junk stuff. I mean, if you throw enough junk or uh, off speed, it's not about velocity always, right? It's sometimes it's about just fooling the the uh, hitter. And so um, that's, I guess, that's my best well, thought. You you know what? You're right though,
0: because Tim Wakefield closed for the Boston Red Sox for a little while. Knuckleball pitcher was their closer.
2: Right? For, that's right. For
0: years. So, you you know what? So, I mean, you do have a point. I mean, uh, talk about a change of pace, right? Now, in this day and age where everybody's throwing 100 miles an hour, you know, you bring somebody in that's throwing 75. As long as they can locate, you might be all right. You know, I don't know. But we see a lot of position players coming in and throwing 75, and they they go out at about 175.
1: (laughs) It doesn't work out very well.
0: Yeah. So it would depend on, but, but you're right. I mean, I guess if they could find, if they had the location, I suppose they could get away with it. Why not? Right. But in the meantime, I think it's fun to watch what Ella Bruning's doing. And, and uh, I, as, as a, as a girl dad, I applaud the heck out of it. I think it's a lot of fun. And uh, uh, I just wanted to take a couple of minutes on our show to, to, uh, to wish her the best. And, and, and you know, and to, to all the girls out there, you know what, if don't let anybody tell you, you can't, right? I mean, you got to at least give it a shot. And if you want to try it, why not? I mean, this is a girl, she was playing softball and she said, you know what? I don't want to play softball. I'm going to go play baseball with my brother. Why not? You know, and and I, and I think it's great, and I and I also think it's great that the Little League organization allows this to happen. You know, I mean, I think I think it's it's really good, and and I think what's special about Ella Bruning is that she's a catcher. I just think that's cool as hell. Because that mean, you know what that means? She's got more guts than I do because I would never be a catcher ever. I was, I always said I was too smart for that. Ooh,
2: I was a catcher. What does that say about me? Ooh. <laughs> 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 on that note ladies and gentlemen
0: that is going to do it here for episode number 72 we'll be back in two weeks with another edition of the boys of summer for paul arnold eric braun i'm gene Gumbs. thanks for joining us we'll see you next time